It's a mess. What's Valheim? It's like this uh, Viking game, I guess you could call it. It's really just uh, Minecraft, but cooler, which I don't know how that's possible, but that's how that was described to me. Is this a game where you're like, uh, is it like a survival game or something? Yeah, pretty much. But I wouldn't be able to tell because I die within five fucking minutes every single time I load the game. Is this a game where like a 12-year-old murders you as soon as the game loads up? No, it's the uh, NPCs that are on your ass. Oh, it's just really hard. It's not hard. I'm just stupid. Oh. <laughs> so it's like a survival game and it's, is it cooperative or is there PVP or what's it? It's both single player and cooperative. So if you want to play by yourself for a while so that you don't embarrass yourself in front of everybody, uh, you can create your own world and then play in that for a while. And then you can either invite somebody into yours or join somebody else's. I haven't gotten to play with anybody else yet, but uh, I think you need to have an online connection either way. Usually, when you're talking about video games, I think of you playing like GTA and uh, beating the shit out of like some kids that shouldn't be there at all. Yep. That shouldn't leak, like literally shouldn't legally be there. You remember when the Epic Store gave away like copies of Grand Theft Auto? God, I wish I could forget. I started getting games from the Epic Store just because like they were giving them away all Christmas and shit like that, you know? Well, that's, that's fine, and I've capitalized on that too, but they sold a game meant for, like, grown adults to a bunch of 11-year-olds without asking if they were adults. I knew that they probably got some kind of incredible, that they get out of that, just a lot of downloads, I guess. Well, they got, I think they got paid by Rockstar because the whole point of giving it out for free was uh, there was an update to GTA Online coming I think within the month after that so they wanted to get all these people to download it and then these people realized that they don't have any money to you know do anything and then just buy all the shark cards so I think Epic Game Store actually got a cut of the sales from that but I'm not sure so much shark card money going on too yeah I mean, the people are buying those shits all the time. But has that not been your 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 experience? Because zillions of dollars are getting made over there. It's pretty much a one-for-one one representation of the U.S. economy right now. Oh, God. that's t I don't even know where this metaphor is going to go, but if you're comparing any video game economy to the U.S., that's probably a, a real bad sign. I mean, it's it's gotten so bad that the inflation is to the point that a gun is like $14,000, and it's only getting worse, and that's because of the uh, use of shark cards, but the problem with the shark cards is that people will buy them and then spend them immediately, and that's all being used on like one thing at a time, so it's creating this like massive price bubble for everything but you know the second that they stop updating this game people are just gonna stop playing and that's gonna like cause people to like run out of ways to make money and it's just gonna fucking tank everything why are people just spending the money as soon as they get it it's just they're just buying whatever new thing comes out that your character fly or twerk or whatever's going on well, that's some of it, but um, the thing is, over time, you get, like, bills and stuff that you have, like, fucking, I bought this game to get away from life, and I still have to pay fucking bills in it, but uh, if you have the money in your account, they'll charge you for it, but if you don't 
have money in your account. You don't have to pay rent or anything. So what people do is they'll wait until after the rent is supposed to come out and then they'll buy these shark cards and it'll give them like a couple million dollars and they'll immediately spend that on something. And what they'll do is they'll, there's this car that they'll buy and I know a couple people with like entire garages full of these cars and it's so that they don't get any like penalties on that money because the way Rockstar sees it is that there's no money in their account but they have like in-game billions of assets so it's just tax evasion but for kids that's so fucking funny that they actually do have tax evasion for kids no I see what you mean this is an entire system that's built off of manipulation yeah, I mean, like, I full-heartedly endorse selling crime to children, but not in my fucking server, please. Let's talk about that. Do you still play GTA? From time to time, yeah, but I've been more into, uh, like, Dragon Age and stuff like that recently. Have you been playing, like, Inquisition, and you've just been playing the one-player shit? Yeah, because I fucking hate people. But, you know, sometimes I'll jump in and just, like, beat the shit out of a child for fun. In game. This is really... Oh. <laughs> okay, never mind. I, you know, I thought you were really about a fucking good time. But you're just, you're just getting through. You're not trying to mess up. Listen, you're in school and, and you're having a nice, peaceful, boring time. Uh, of course, you've never committed any crimes ever, but now you're never especially not life. committing crimes. Yeah. One of all of our New Year's resolutions is to continue not doing crimes. And uh, you've been doing a great job. I'm a good American citizen. I love my country. I love my God. You know, praise Jesus. Amen. And I pay my taxes. So. Do you have taxes yet? Yes, I've had taxes for a while. That's just terrible. How yeah. is it that you, why are you so, is this part of just being a freelancer? Yeah, it's part of that. And then uh, I go through jobs like fucking crazy. But yeah, it's the freelancing that's kind of getting my ass right now. Yeah, man, these uh, these gigs are just the worst. They seem good at the time, and then Uncle Sam decides to screw you. Yeah, tell me about it. I just have no idea what I'm going to do or what I'm going to have from week to week. It's been a shitty, I don't know, how shitty was this week as a whole? We had uh, this shooting. I think that was pretty bad since the last time we talked. Yeah, that's fucking brutal. We haven't had one of like a big shooting like that in a while. Which we a... know that we know COVID's over, man. Yeah. Let me tell you, those fucking shots for shots, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> What's the number one thing that comes to your mind? Because you know plenty of, of right wing pro gun pro two A people. I know plenty of pro two A people. Like. What's left at this point? Because we're on shooting number like one zillion. Do the arguments feel coherent? Are there parts that you feel like there are still good points? Let's dig into gun violence. Do you feel like there's room for common sense here? Do you have any hope of... I can't ask you, do you have any hope in Joe Biden? Do you have any hope in Joe Biden for anything? <laughs> uh, I'm fucking hoping... Oh, shit. I can't say that. Uh, I hope that he only has one term. Let me say that. Well, you know, he was on a press conference and they tried to pin him down on it, but he was just very, being very wiggly. He said he expects to do a second term, but isn't saying yes or no or anything. Which is, by the way, to be fair to him, he's fucking sane. Nobody should be thinking about running for president once, let alone doing it again. You know what Especially I mean? Especially six months into his term. We're not even six months in. We're like yeah. a month and a half. Trump declared 
three like a month in immediately he was running again but he's weird he shouldn't be considered a president or a president (laughs) (laughs) the nra has egg on their face as always because they were you know haggling about gun laws in colorado Uh, they were trying to ban the ar-15 in colorado and the nra was doing nra shit and the last time we talked they were like fucking bankrupt you remember that yeah is that why they moved to texas I think so, but they're not bankrupt enough, apparently. I mean, shit, I mean, if you're going to hell, you might as well go, like, full force straight to the devil at this point. Like, we're all fucked. You might as well just, like, make a deal of it. Here's what they tweeted on March 16th. The Colorado judge gave law-abiding gun owners something to celebrate in an NRA-supported case, and they have an institute, you know, like, most of these orgs have political arms and non-political arms. Yeah. So, in a... NRA Institute for Legislative Action supported case. A judge ruled that Boulder's ban on AR-15s and 10 plus round mags was preempted by state law and struck them down. You know, Boulder City Council in 2018, they passed a ban on assault rifles after Parkland, you know, and they had a permit system so that if you had the weapon legally, you could keep it. And they filed a lawsuit against it saying that, you know, it was blah, blah, blah. You know how all that comes. So now, shooting in Boulder, there have been seven mass shootings in seven days. This is how you know the nation is healing, my friend. Yeah. We're going back to the way it's meant to be. It's so funny that when COVID started, all of us were talking about how we love being outside as a people. And I think we just forgot that there actually was like an incredible national anxiety around getting shot. And we all joked about it all the time. I mean, it's nice not having to worry about, like, my kid siblings going to fucking elementary school and, like, just not coming back one day. But it's just... (sighs) It looks like the choice is either to do that or not have it at all. Yeah. Do you have feelings on the AR-15? On the gun specifically? Yeah, just just high-powered guns in general. Or if you want to talk about any specific weapon. I think just as a general stance on it. I mean... I'm pretty publicly for like the SRA, yeah. uh, but I do think that we're kind of at the point where this has just gotten so far out of control that either something needs to be done or we're all just going to have to accept that we've dug a hole for ourselves that we're not going to be able to dig our way out of. But I think any sort of conversation about gun control, we're going to have to have a conversation about uh, demilitarizing the police first. The thing that I thought about was there are people who are just emotionally attached to, to assault rifles now. Like My emotional support gun. Yeah, like I talked about this in the past, but there's just people have emotional issues slash fear of the government. Is there a, is a demilitarized police make the American population more worried or less worried about guns? Because, you know, in the same way that we have like a Democrat gets in office and they start you can't buy a gun because they all get fucking bought up as soon as a Democrat gets in. You know, they start defunding the police. These guys might all run out and buy some more. I, I do think that's something we need to take into consideration. Like you said, the trends of a Democrat getting elected and people buying up as many guns and uh, ammo rounds as they can hold. Uh, I think that is feeding into the anxiety and kind of a positive feedback loop. So I think my worry is that uh, we're going to end up with uh, kind of the same thing I've seen around here and kind of in my hometown is that there are 
people taking it up on themselves to become vigilantes because they feel that the police actually aren't doing enough. And I think as much as I would like demilitarizing the police and just, you know, gun control to be the end-all be-all of this issue, it's going to uh, take a bit more work than that. So I don't want to be, like, reductionist about the conversation. All of this shit is shit that's not just going to untangle itself. And it's not going to happen, you know, right overnight. And Sandy Hook was so shocking. Uh, you know, that school shooting. Columbine was shot. I mean, I had Columbine when I was fucking young. And Columbine was fucking 15 years before Sandy Hook. And we thought that was going to be, you know, a life-changing big deal event. And this is the same, like that Onion article where they run the same fucking headline every time it happens. It's always, you know, now's not the time to politicize whatever it is. And uh, right. that was over first graders. So if we're not getting anything done over first graders, I don't know which Democrat's going to choose to fucking hold things up and, and keep this shit from happening. I don't know. There are so many fucking shootings, man. I don't know if we've ever like adjusted. First of all, this thing with, with the shootings happening so many times so fast, we made a joke, but it literally is a COVID thing. Like some people, as soon as they got their shots, just decided, like, I don't understand that really. Like the thing that stopped you from committing a mass shooting was you were worried about like getting COVID or did you just see too many people were gathered outside? I don't even know what the motivation is. I wish we had an answer for that. Yeah. But I think it partially has to do with uh, large groups are much easier targets. Let's say you walk out onto a street, like say May of 2020 there's going to be maybe like five or six people on that street at once and if you take a gun out there and you start shooting that's going to really limit the numbers of casualties and often with shootings like the ones we see most often in the u.s it's they're doing it for numbers and the number of people they kill is to just make a point and yeah. it's now that we have vaccinations rolling out and we're rolling them out so quickly, we're going to see a lot more large groups of people in small spaces like a grocery store or a classroom. And that's going to make it much easier for a large target for someone to walk in and just shoot wildly into the crowd. The good news is, and you know, I have my own worries about that too, but like the good news is the NRA it's kind of fracturing. First of all, I just think that every major organization in America is fracturing. Uh, like the media is fracturing, political organizations are fracturing, entertainment's fracturing, art's fracturing. We can all kind of have, you know, just because of the internet, we can have more specific communities. So, I mean, there's the SRA, there's the John Brown Club, there's Firearms Policy Coalition. There's, there's lots of groups. Pink Pistols, there are a lot like, you know, there are lots of firearm groups that maybe don't have the same toxicity, to say it nicely, of the uh, NRA. I don't know. Right. And um, I don't know. I think it's a relief that the NRA, which still sucks, just people are not willing to do open business with them anymore just because they've gone so far off the deep end that it's... It's hard. It's going to be hard yeah. to imagine but having the same presence in the mainstream that they did in the 90s. And you couldn't even run for office when I was in my 20s without tugging off the NRA, whether you were in whatever party you were in. Now, right. at least you can you can fundraise by, you know, talking about how the NRA sucks. People park their, their ears up for it, which is something. I worry that this splintering of group as massive and influential as the NRA is. Some will be more extreme. 
yeah, it's creating smaller, more extreme right-wing groups that are, for one, furious because they still think that the election was stolen from Trump. And I'm personally witnessing some people are taking this even past the extreme that the NRA is willing to associate with. And it's gone from, oh, you're kind of a shit person to full-blown. I'm legitimately afraid of some of the things that I've seen kind of perpetuated in the media. And I, I don't think it's helping that you've got all of these smaller groups that are kind of battling for the next position of the big overarching kind of umbrella group. And I think we're going to see a lot more problems with that in the future. Let's say there's a three-way body swap and that you're in Biden's body. You don't have to worry about Biden being in your body. We don't know what's going on over there. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) you're now the president. And by the way, my condolences. (laughs) What in a good, hopeful world should we even do about radicalization now in the country? Like, what do you even do with those with those guys? I think one of the first things I would focus on would be uh, mental health care. And, you know, I can't speak from for myself, but I know a lot of people who have uh, been sucked into these super extreme right wing organizations are people that have felt abandoned by their healthcare uh, systems and they have not had access to proper mental health or even physical health care. And when you have a group offering you the answers to every single problem you've ever had, and then they're also kind of uh, agreeing with everything that you're saying and telling you that you're right, you're going to lean more into those groups. And I like to say that Americans are some of the fucking dumbest people on earth, but this isn't just a U.S. issue. I mean, we've seen in Germany and in pretty much all of Europe, this is becoming more of a problem as time goes on. We haven't seen the same volume of shootings, but we have seen extreme political polarization. And even 15 years ago, people, Europeans would laugh at Americans, you know, for racism. And I would say, well, eight years. I mean, obviously, it's Europe. We've always laughed at Europe when they talk about racism. But just in terms of the, the, the racism and their open political candidates has been shocking to people who in the 90s didn't think that that was in their character because they only watch mainstream news or whatever. I'm trying to reach those super cynical people in the, what do you mean here? But, you know, if you were a live in the <laughs> 90s, you'd be shocked to, to know that Marine Le Pen uh, was like a popular candidate for, you know, office up there. Yeah, and I think a large part of that is the internet and these ideas spread extremely fast and we're not as uh, sheltered from them as we might have been, say, in the 90s or even the early 2000s. This is, um, sounds like I'm setting you up, but I'm not. Do you think that, well, you'll see what I mean. It's a positive setup, but you can answer this however you want. Do you think that like militarism abroad contributes to radicalism at home? Yes. Um, you know, people just kind of get taught in their elementary schools and shit that they've got the, that they're the most badass people in the world. And uh, some shit goes down like 9-11 and it's all fucking songs about putting boots in people's asses and shit. And I think that just, uh, boy, I, I just think that maybe the Iraq war is kind of uh, shaking people of, there's just so much less eagerness. I don't know if America will ever be like excited about that kind of thing again, but since it's not going outwards, I think it goes inwards maybe. And, and the national id that, you know, used to be really easily turned on, you know, Iraqis can now kind of easily be turned on the SJWs. That makes sense. 
I think it makes sense. And um, I think that this uh, national hard-on for anti-terrorism that was especially prominent during that period, and shit, I say that period, but it's still pretty ongoing, has made just kind of the American people as a whole excited to have an enemy and somebody that we can blame for this problem. And if we were to theoretically win in this war we waged on it, then everything will go back to the way it was before. But the problem is none of us kind of know what the fuck we're talking about when we say the way it was before. And I think that's become more present in just everybody's mind lately with, uh, you know, fucking everybody and their mother's a domestic terrorist, depending on who you're talking to. And then you have groups that legitimately are like the insurrectionists who stormed the Capitol, that if those people had been, say, Iraqi or just, you know, from anywhere except white middle America or, you know, wealthier parts of the South, we would have had a 9-11 type of situation on our hands again, where the entire nation is going for blood. Yeah, I don't know what the solution is to heal the world or anything like that. It's kind of fucked and kind of getting worse. What are things, I guess, people should be thinking about doing if they aren't lucky enough to switch bodies with Joe Biden via voodoo? First of all, I don't know. There are some some people, obviously, one of the things that, that bugs me when I listen to shows that talk about guns is people think everybody should have a gun. And like, dude, I read Twitter. <laughs> you guys don't need to have guns. <laughs> like, like, like your, your average, like maybe if you're on Twitter, if you're listening to this, you maybe shouldn't have a gun. Like, if you use Twitter, you, you automatically like give up your right to own a gun I'm, I'm you fail sorry. the background check automatically yeah i mean extremely um, online is a very sad condition to have and it it's very tragic it affects very many people a year they shouldn't have guns sorry you you're online but i would not say you're extremely online i'm a reformed extremely online yeah yeah you're like the end of gravity and your legs barely work and you're just <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you were like, what is what is all this shit? But but we talk about, you know, everybody shouldn't have a gun. But should you have a gun? I don't know. I guess it's there's not really a good answer to that. I mean, every individual has to answer for themselves. But as a movement, how should we treat guns? I guess is a better way to ask that question. Boy. Well, what do you think? I'm curious to see. I don't know. I, don't, I literally don't know. I know when, when I started talking about this stuff, I always liked to say, Guns are not really about guns. Guns are about emotional insecurity. You know, if you get everybody like, like you said, let everybody see a therapist. There are other countries that have plenty of guns out in the streets and they don't have as many shootings. The problem is not necessarily the objects, although, you know, if we lived in a different country that didn't have fascination with guns, clearly there'd be fewer shootings. But it is a country that has a fascination with guns because it's a country that sees violence as the fucking solution to all their problems because of what they get taught in school. Our knowledge of history is just the history of violence. Like, Sirky, you're a really smart student. When you think of the study of American history, you probably use wars to break it up, consciously or subconsciously. Yeah, I mean, we have, you know, in the 1940s and 50s, we have pre-war economy and post-war economy. 
And even today, we attach our economy to the war on terror. And I think that that maybe has a pretty massive impact on how we as a nation view violence. We're pretty obsessive with the idea of martyrdom. And, you know, that goes hand in hand with, you know, a violent death. But everybody wants to be a hero and nobody wants to deal with the actual consequences of what that entails. But uh, I, I think we need first and foremost to look at our relationship with kind of why we as a collective society feel the need to have a gun. But I think it's also a little bit more complicated than that, because the U.S. is such a massive country with so many people. It's a whole, you know, entire groups of people that would have different reasons for wanting a gun. And I think that's, you know, in this debate, that's not really something anybody is particularly willing to take into account. Yeah. And, you know, just personally, I'm not like a, you know, is it better to have fewer guns just in terms of death total and just the culture? Yes. But like we have a greater cultural problem. You know, even if you ban some of these rifles, you still have handguns. And trust me, people do violence with handguns in America all the damn time. Knives, bats. I mean, and this is like homicides. You know, rifle shootings are more iconic for the media, but in terms of like how people express violence toward each other, it's it's literally just an epidemic that's all over the country. So um, I think it's more important to make people less feel the need to go wild and violent. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add to that. We, uh, we also live in an age where it's not fucking difficult to just look up how to build your own gun. Like, we act like people aren't just going to bring them in from elsewhere if we just ban them within the country. You know, another thing that comes to my mind, like, we are really thinking about, like, the world is dying right now. We have, like, a limited time, like, we have a limited time to do anything. And I feel like if we uh, maybe, like, focus on surviving, huge existential crises of our time. Maybe uh, some of these other cultural problems would dry up too. And by the way, what's really fucked up is that your problems aren't going away. Just any society, any culture, any organization has problems. You know, join a leftist organization. Haha, it's a clown show. Join a right-wing organization. It's a clown show too. And they're different kind of clown shows. But like I'd say between the two of us, we've interfaced with organizations across the ideological spectrum. And they're all staffed with fucking human beings. And they all suck in different ways. You know, there are organizations you can clap your hands and some money comes up in your hand. But those organizations fucking suck too for their own unique ways. So given that just every organization sucks, every political tendency sucks, you're going to always have problems if human beings are doing it. But these are the problems that we have now. And I guess that's my bigger point. We fucking choose these fucking problems of racism and poverty and imperialism and global murder. Like... We could easily create smaller problems that we could fucking manage, you know? Right. We could be arguing about, like, shit that develops us as a human species without being super stretching it out. But goddamn. Uh, oh, Biden. Did you see or hear anything about Biden's uh, press conference? I mean, I try not to hear anything about him, but I, I did happen to see whatever the fuck that was. It won't be new news by the time the world sees it, but 
I do think it's a good way to talk about Biden, the press, and double standards and shit like that in general. Because first of all, this guy really dodges questions. He's good at um, it. I gotta hand it to him. He is polite. And you know, during the debates, I was like, Biden is and always has been an incredibly polite debater his entire career. He does not talk over the moderators. He waits his turn. He's like a good debate boy. And it feels like that politeness, it almost feels performative. Like, I don't want to, you know, dig into his brain and say that he fakes being polite. It sounds crazy, but his politeness in this press conference when he saw situations where he could impress people by being polite he went extra and went the length but when he was cornered on policy he got like super vague and dismissive and rude it was like watching harvey denton two-face on the same stage it's kind of funny <laughs> like if it was a question he he liked he would be extremely considerate it was almost condescending the way he responded to a reporter. I can't remember the name of the one person. Uh, was it the woman who asked him about the camps and he was like... Yes. God, I, I had her name until I was I don't know her name, it. but it was, a, it was a, a woman who got like three questions somehow and just stuck him up all press conference and asked about, you know, the camps and just asked him like how much responsibility he was going to take for this. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you about it is because they also asked about Afghanistan. And, you know, he says he doesn't like to make promises that rely on the process, that rely on like his respect for the rules, because his respect for the rules will overwhelm any promise and he knows it. So like when they ask him like, hey, do you guys think uh, next year we'll still be at, in Afghanistan? I don't think so. I don't expect we will. How do you feel about the departures? <laughs> I mean, it's so it's such bullshit. There's never a departure. Look, the way I feel about Joe Biden, especially in regards to the war on terror, are uh, very public and very uh, explicit. But I just, I'm so fucking tired. I don't know what else to say about him. He's just, he knows he's not going to make that effort. And his statement that he didn't expect to still be in Afghanistan at that point has been repeated by every other president since the war started. Trump set this May 1st deadline with the Taliban or whatever. And I don't know if Biden, Biden has this way of dragging his feet when politics force him into doing something that he doesn't want to do. Kind of in the same way with the stimulus check, I think, you know, he bumps it down a little bit in his priority list. And this thing I don't think he wants to come out and say we can't do May 1st, but it's fucking May 1st already, practically. Yeah, I mean, we're 30 days out. Well, 36, I think. I don't know what day it is. Uh, Whatever the time is when you hear this, May 1st is fast approaching. Right. Um, and of course, he's he's doing, we're meeting with the generals, we're meeting with the allies. It's always some soup. And whatever comes out in the soup is something that's always suitable to the Joe Bidens. I mean, they're they always leave out that they're talking to like the people funding their fucking campaign, but saying that you're talking to uh, you know these big corporations that have made you know untold 
I think we're in the trillions of dollars, billions of dollars off of these wars. Obviously, they're talking to them as well. But, you know, they're not going to say that. But I don't trust what he says about Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, or really any other country, because he has a history of saying one thing to the American public and then turning around and doing the exact opposite. And he, he's made it also very clear that he doesn't give a shit about the well-being of the people he's involving in these wars. For example, the uh, bombing that we carried out, I think, not even a month into his presidency that he had specifically said that that was not kind of the route he wanted to take but then he immediately turned around and did that exact thing and then refused to take any sort of responsibility for how genuinely fucked up that was but i I really do expect him to try and behave like he tried to have us out of afghanistan by may 1st but i don't expect him to make any genuine effort to do that Yeah, and I can say I just share those same uh, concerns. You know, he has a few nice speech moments. And first of all, they're not even, like, great speeches. But, you know... In comparison to the last guy. Yeah, but he does, obviously, his way of speaking is clearly just over his life. Extremely finely honed to the DC establishment. And look, he he is fulfilling the brand that he ran on. I don't think anybody who uh, elected this guy Biden and their number one hope was that he would have the demeanor of a nice fictional president from television. And he's more or less done that. You know, when he did that whole speech about, you know, we're in a struggle for democracy versus autocracy. And that's the real, you know, and we are, but I don't know if, you know. Not in the way he's saying that we are, but. Yeah. I, uh. Look, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I'm just openly fucking bitter about everything he's done in regards to, like, international policy. So I might not be the most uh, fair of judges, but I feel like once he kind of uh, tried to sell himself as this uh, president that we could push left, or I, that way, I wouldn't say that's how he sold himself, but that's kind of how his supporters sold him, and being told like the entire time in the run-up to the election that you know we needed to vote for him because we could then push him left and sure he did some really shitty things that led to well over a million people losing their lives senselessly that we could just overlook that for the time being because the other guy is worse but he's made absolutely no attempt to fix any of the problems caused by the trump administration with iran and he's not really made any attempt to fix our international relationship with some of our allies at all he's been pretty damn quiet about the actions that we see in like saudi arabia and some of the things that they've done and he's doing this because at the end of the day it doesn't really matter who's the president it really matters what's profitable to the uh, military industrial complex yeah listen the good thing about it is and you can see this on international stuff you can also see it on immigration policy because that inner circle is extremely off of twitter 
and they're just looking at national polling, which is why Joe Biden's like, I'm doing, I got 70%, leave me alone. We get to focus on things that are local, you know? Um, yeah. I know that there are people who are just totally devoted to screaming at Nancy Pelosi, and they just ran their life into a ditch just on Twitter, screaming at national politics all day. But I think, like, people have diffused their energy in more useful places. Like, I don't think that our political work needs to be just a constant pep rally to feel like there's momentum around some person. And yeah, and that would ultimately be kind of disingenuous and, you know, not very helpful to what we're trying to accomplish. Everybody's got to have some responsibility. Well, I don't know. Responsibility seems like it's homework, but everybody's got to do their own part in their own neck of the woods. And um, people can do some of their part by giving us money. <laughs> patreon.com slash not say you know let's just say that you're too lazy to do anything else but you feel bad this with this ten dollar patreon donation your sins will be officially forgiven circo will we have contacted the pope and made yes. sure of that which pope doesn't matter oh yeah we get bulk discounts from the pope and yes the pope does not uh, imply affiliation with any religious organization we just have to run that through our lawyers it, it's <laughs> It's a pope. We call him the pope. So um, get in there. You're not sponsored by the Catholic Church. Not yet. The pope, call us. Get in here. All right. It's been real.